Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1. I forgot something. <laughs> and as you can tell, this is my first time leading service alone. Um, so forgive me for that. Um, so we did not recognize our visitors today. <laughs> So this is a trend in this church. We love visitors, yeah? And so what happens is we ask you to raise your hand. So even as you're getting courage to raise your hand, an usher will spot you. They'll give you a connection card. So this card, you fill in your details, like your name. If you have a prayer item, just note it there. And every week, our staff prays for you by name and the need that is at or rather the need that you have listed. So, and then after the service, we have a visitor's tent. And it's on your left as you're exiting. So if you will be among those visitors, you'll be welcome there. You'll get to know us. We'll get to connect with you. And if you do not have a church, feel at home. This church is just amazing. And if you're coming from your church, please send our salams back. So how many visitors do we have today how many are joining us amazing oh my god amazing 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 thank you so much people who are seated next to them please if they are huggable hug them yeah tell them karibu sana and even our online community if there's anyone joining us for the very first time right first time we'll send emojis to just you know warm emojis love emojis and all that okay so we are transition, or rather, uh, before that, two more new, two more as- announcements. So next week happens to be the, you know, that long weekend where everybody is talking about and waiting for, yeah? Um, the one that Martin has been waiting for from January, the one I've been looking forward to from 1st of December, this coming weekend is it. So on 24th happens to be a Sunday, so we will have only one service. It, run, it will run from 10 to noon, so we'll have one service. I don't know whether we'll extend the tent or what will happen. If guys will not have traveled, feel free to come join us. And then, do not tire. On Monday, yeah, on Monday is Christmas, so on that day we will still have one service running from 10 to 12, all right? Then, 31st December, we will have the Testimony Sunday. So if you, oh, and Testimony Sunday still, we run from 10 a.m. to noon. And if you have a testimony, kindly share. Let's celebrate what God has done for you. Give us an opportunity to thank God with you and your family. So kindly share that testimony on feedback at karurasisi.or.ke. Let me repeat that. Feedback at karurasisi.or.ke. Or you can use 11 triple zero seven five zero four i hope those are enough numbers they're not extra so zero one one zero 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 seven five zero four those are the announcements today so i will request us to stand as we are reading the word of god today it's being brought by one amazing lady who i love she just breaks it you know in a different way and you get to learn a lot so join me Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 12 and it reads 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is this one who has been, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw this star, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he came, oh, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped, it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country in another road. So that's the reading of the word of God. So Edna Karibusana, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given Pastor Edna, oh God, to share your word. We ask God that you'd speak to each and every person here, even as we celebrate this season of Christmas. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Karibu. Thank you, Jambi. Please let's appreciate her. It's not an easy task that she she does or she's she has just done. God bless you so much. Good afternoon, everyone. Praise the Lord. Is it the right time to start saying Merry Christmas? <laughs> Merry Christmas. Are you happy or are you sad? Are you, are you convinced? Are you happy or are you sad? You're happy. The kids are so happy. Are you, why are you happy? Maybe you can share with your neighbor. Yeah, we are going to share with our neighbors why you are happy. We are having a Thanksgiving service on the 31st, so we can as well begin thanking the Lord as from now. You know, as we, I was just listening to the Thanksgiving, I just said, you know what? I think I need to give mine because I'm not sure whether I'll be here on the 31st. But I want to share my Thanksgiving um, testimony. Is it okay? Um, for the longest time, I've always had um, a throat problem, a tonsillitis. And they, when they come, they come ball, rolling like a ball from hell. That's how I normally describe them because they are normally so painful. If you've ever struggled with tonsillitis, you know how bad it is. And this year, there was a time the doctors were telling me, now, you know, when you get them this often, we might, now it's time you consider removing them because they would always come. And I just want to say that this year, 
I've only gotten one episode, and that was in February. From February to now, the Lord has given me health, and I've not had tonsillitis. And I really thank, for me, it might not look like a big deal to you, but because me, I've struggled with those things. I am truly grateful for the gift of health. Thank you, Lord, for not giving me those things. Uh, not the Lord didn't give me, but the devil. So <laughs> today I am going to share um, the, the, from the portion of scripture that we've just read, Matthew chapter 2. And the sermon topic is, where is the king? And that is the question that the Magis asked when they got to Jerusalem. And I will explain that whole journey, and I will explain who the Magis are, and I will explain the circumstances and, uh, around that. And Matthew does an amazing job of telling this story. It's one of the stories that is not told in other Gospels. It's told by Matthew. Uh, the Magis are not mentioned in the book of Luke or any other, uh, I don't think there's any other writer of the Gospel that has mentioned this story. So Matthew does a good job. And he begins by saying that Jesus, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So I'm going to explain first, where is Bethlehem? Bethlehem was the ancestral home of David, the great king in the Old Testament, the king of Israel. And David was the founder of their royal dynasty dynasty, dynasty, however you want to pronounce it. And so Bethlehem was popularly known as the house of bread. It was the ancestral home of King David. It wasn't a large or even a significant town. It was such a small town. Uh, and it was nine kilometers from Jerusalem. It wasn't so far from where Herod was. So it was nine kilometers from Jerusalem. So Jesus is born in this uh, city of David, and he's born in a small city, um, uh, not very significant. And then he was born when Herod was ruling. So he is Herod. Herod is known as Herod the Great. And he was great. They say at the beginning of his ruling, he was so great that everything he touched was just amazing. From the infrastructure, he was able to bring a lot of development in that place, and he was a great ruler at the beginning of his rulership. But as he neared the end of his life, he turned out to be an extremely bloody ruler and he was a violent man. When he came into power, he began by wiping out the Sanhedrin, who are the rulers or the, um, what are they called? They are the, 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 the elite or the cream of the religious leaders. So he started by wiping them out, and then he slaughtered over 300 court officers. He murdered his own wife. He had several wives, but he murdered one of uh, his wife, uh, wives and her, her mother, that is his mother-in-law. She was called Alexandra. He also murdered his eldest son. I don't want to bogue you with details, but it's, the, 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 the boy was called Antipata, and also murdered two of his other sons. But what caught my attention is that he also murdered his brother-in-law. And how he did it was even more interesting. He told him, let us go for swimming. And when they went for swimming, he drowned him. And during his funeral, he cried hysterically and publicly, saying the way he has lost a dear brother-in-law. There was a famous saying at the time that it was better for you to be Harold's pig 
than to be his son. So it is under such circumstances that Jesus is born. Under a ruler who is extremely violent and insecure, to say that, just to say that. And so who are the Magis? We say that the Magis came from the east, they came to Jerusalem. So there are people who came from the Middle East and they had come to worship. Uh, the great misconception is that they were three. And you can even see from our great drawing there, and even our, uh, our cards and even the songs that we sing, that we three kings of the, of the Oriental. So there goes our Christmas song that we like singing. They were not three. The Bible does not say that they were three. The other thing is that they were not kings. In fact, according to ancient history, it is, assumed, it is believed that they came in full force. And they were not just meandering wise men. They probably came escorted with thousands of soldiers, servants, slaves, cooks, and other craftsmen. They were also elaborate in how they dressed. They used to wear a hat that pointed up, and they used to wear very expensive clothes because uh, they were an elite, and I will explain that in a few. If they showed up in a city, there is no way you would miss them because they were great, they were elaborate. They were also a tribe. The Magi was a tribe, a priestly tribe that rose to prominence. They were an ancient, ancient people. Some people date them back in the days of um, Abraham, but some people don't, do not like going all the way to the days of Abraham, and they like bringing it closer to the days of Daniel and in the days of the Hebrew boys, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they ruled in the Persian Empire. So they ruled in the Babylonian and in the Persian empires, the pre-Islamic empire. Before then, there was no Islam. Where they ruled that place, Persian Empire and Babylonian, is the present-day Iran area. The Magis were highly educated. They were an elite group. They were very literate, and they had a, a, an organized priesthood. They, were, they had this hereditary priesthood, just like Judaism, where one had to be a Levite to become a priest. They were highly religious, and they were also pagans. They were superstitious in their religion, as well as science, sorcery, astrology, and astronomy. You remember King Nebuchadnezzar asking for people to come and interpret his dreams? These were some of the people that would come, that, the, the Magis. They were extremely good interpreting dreams and, and all those kind of things. They believed in one God, but not the God of the Bible. So they were monotheistic. They also believed in angels and demons. And so their religion had been greatly influenced by the Jews in the Old Testament. The other thing, and uh, uh, just as I conclude, there's a lot to learn about the Magis, but I just want to conclude with this. They were actually Middle Eastern kingmakers that no one in the Persian region would come to power without mastering the scientific and religious discipline of the Magi. They were extremely influential. So they showed up in Jerusalem with uh, probably a huge entourage, elaborately dressed, and they come and they say they are looking for a king of the Jews that they had read. Again, they were great scholars. They had read in the, the Bible that was there, the Torah. They had read about the coming of the Messiah. So if we were to recreate the We Three Kings song, we would re recreate it and say 
we entourage from Iran, but I don't think it would pass the music composing, composing committee. But that is how, if it, were to, it was to come out, that is how it, it would come out. They were an entourage that came from that Iran area. And they were also not from the Orient, as the song says. We three came from Orient. They were not the Orient as we know it. They were not from China. They were not from Japan. They were not from Indonesia or Vietnam. They were not from that area. They were from the Middle East. And when they got to Jerusalem, they asked in verse 2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Why are they asking about a king that is not their king? They are not Jews. These Magis are not Jews. They are from the, another area. They, of course, they are influential. They are, not, they are coming to seek for a king that is not their own. So he asks, where is the, they ask, where is the king that has been born? We have seen the star. And the other thing, apart from asking for a king that is not theirs, they ask about the king of the Jews. And who in those days cared about the Jews? Nobody. Even in those days, Jews were subject of contempt. They had been carried captives. They were, I mean, from the east. They had been in Babylon as, uh, as slaves. And I mean, nobody cared about them. Even though the Bible clearly says that they were the elect, the very elect of God, his chosen people, the nations around them looked down upon the Jews. And they said they've seen a star. There are many theories of what this star could be. There are some who say it was a comet, it was a what, many things. But what we can clearly say is that this was divine activity happening on earth, what the Old Testament would call the Shekinah glory. We don't know, we can't explain, but there was a star that had guided them. The other strange thing is that they asked for a king who was a baby. In the Old Testament, again, one became a prince for such a long time before you became a king. But Jesus' kingly status was conferred to him from birth. It's an amazing thing that these kingmakers are looking for a king, a baby king. It wasn't so in the Old Testament. You had to be of age to be a king. And then verse 3 says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Of course, he had to be disturbed. Why? Because Herod had received the title of the king of the Jews. In fact, at that time, he was the one who was the king of the Jews. Even though Herod was not a Jew, it had been given, that title had been, had been, had been conferred to him by Augustus Caesar. So by the time Christ was being born, Herod, the other thing that made Herod so afraid is that by the time Christ was being born, is that Herod was just about to die. In fact, they say he died almost one year or so after Christ was born. So Rome, this, the, that region, the Rome region, was an extremely vulnerable space. Their king or their leader is about to die. Then all these people have come from the east. They have shook or shaken Jerusalem. Nobody knows who they are. They've come with a big entourage probably, and they're asking for a king. And Herod is asking himself, which king? Am I not the king? I'm, I'm, I'm just being imaginative. So that scares Herod. And the Magi are coming to worship this king. 
The problem is that there is already a king. And Herod is full of fear. He's driven by, by jealousy and suspicion. And he actually thought that everybody was after him. And was, he was constantly, Herod was constantly seeking to murder people. Herod and the rulers of the day did not know that a king had been born in the city of Bethlehem. Like I said, Herod was great in building. At the time, a lot of mag magnificent religious institutions had been built. A temple, he was reconstructing the temple, which was a good thing. And it all was overlaid by gold, and it was under construction. A city, Jerusalem, that had great kings and great priests, I mean, great priests did not know nine kilometers from Jerusalem that a king had been born, a king for their soul. These people were self-satisfied. They were rejectors of the king of God from the get-go all the way to the end. There was no room for Christ in their hotels. There was no room for Christ in their temples. There was no room for Christ even in their own hearts. Verse 4, the Bible says, the Herod called, I mean, Herod called together all the people, the chief priests, and the teachers of the laws, and he asked them, where is the Messiah? Where, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, the teachers of the law replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. So when Herod is calling all these chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, asking them where the Messiah would be born, he is already, already cultivating a plot to kill the king. And he realizes it is easier to go for that one particular king that has been said has been born in Bethlehem than to go for the Magi's. Because it would have also been an option to kill these Magi's who are bringing this report. But he realizes that there was too much force and power behind the Magi's. That he wasn't going to start a war that he can't finish or a war that he was very likely to lose because the Magi's were such a strong people. And so he asked the priests that ran the, the religion where the Messiah was to be born. And this tells you two things. One, that Herod was not a Jew. That's why he's asking where, was, uh, where is the Messiah to be born. Every Jew knew that the prophecy had come all the way from the Old Testament that the Messiah, Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So the fact that he's asking where the Messiah is to be born tells you that he's not a Jew. The second thing he tells us that he's an extremely ignorant man because even for people who did not know of the prophecy or did not know that, uh, even for the people who were not Jews, they knew that amongst the Jews there was to be born a king in Bethlehem. It was like common knowledge. The same way like today we say that Jesus is coming soon. That is the way it was for them, that a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And the funny thing is that these teachers of the laws and the priests, when they were asked by Herod, where is the king uh, going to be born? Where is the king supposed to be born? You know, they didn't tell him, you wait, first we go and search the scriptures. Instantly, they started quoting Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And this tells you that they, this was common knowledge. They knew, and, and this, this, they didn't have to search the scriptures. It was common knowledge. They just quoted it, that amongst the, uh, in the, from the tribe of David, there was to be born a shepherd king. And that was a rare occurrence. Verse 7 says, 
Then Herod called the Magi's. After he had been explained to by the uh, priest, he called the Magi's secretly to find out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, that I too may go and worship him. If you did not know who Herod was or is, you would think he's an extremely good person. I mean, he is inquiring. I want to go and worship together with you. But since we know who Herod is, he's highly insecure, he's violent, he is uh, afraid, he's jealous, he's, um, he, he's confused, he's, he was a terror. And so because we know that, we know that that question that he's asking or that uh, thing that he's saying he wants to go and worship together with the Magi, we know that it is not genuine. All he wants is tea. He wants information. He actually wants to know the exact time the star happened so that he can, I mean, appeared, so that he can know how the old the child is. You know, he can't go looking for every child everywhere in Bethlehem or Jerusalem or wherever. He can't just go looking. So he's diligent. He's doing his research. And he's asking them, when you go to Bethlehem, you do the search for me. And he's not, his intention was not to worship. But he was a hypocrite, and he actually wanted to know the exact place, how old the baby was, so that as he starts his killing spree, which he actually did, it would be extremely targeted. And that's why he's saying all children below two years old. He knew that that was the age that Jesus was. The Bible says after he, they, had what the, the, they had the king, they went on their way, and the star, the Shekinah glory, the divine representation of the divine representation of God on earth, uh, when they had seen that, they, 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 the Bible says, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. overjoyed. The assumption that we make is that this star guided them from Persia, from wherever they were coming from, either the Babylonian or the Persian area, the, the assumption is that it guided them all the way to Jerusalem. But that was not the case. It seems like the star would come and re reappear and appear. And at this point, it reappeared. And when they saw it, they were extremely overjoyed. The Bible says on, uh, in verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Listen there. They came to the house. The misconception that we've always had is that they came to a manger to a newborn baby. But scholars have said that they came a few months or many months or below two years for sure after Jesus had been born. So Jesus was a toddler. They were not three. They were not kings. The Magi's were not three. They were not Magi's. But not, that notwithstanding, they came to worship and they rejoiced great, greatly when they saw the child with his mother inside the house. They were kingmakers and this was their coronation ceremony. Joy was everywhere, as joy is right now. I'm sure that's why I started by asking, are you happy or sad? Are you joyful or, or not? Because this Christmas season tends to bring so much joy, which is good because a savior has been born. And joy continues to be the, 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 the theme that we shall carry even to heaven. 
The Bible says that they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't want to get into details, but these three gifts were extremely symbolic. Gold is extremely precious, and it was for the wealthy. It was befitting to our king. Then they brought frankincense. This in the Old Testament when the priest would offer, frankincense was only offered to God. It was pure incense, only offered to God in the Old Testament. And then they brought in mar, which used to have two purposes. One was to numb pain, and uh, two, it, uh, it, it worked as um, uh, preservation. Uh, it used to preserve dead bodies. So I can imagine this place is smelling very nicely, and the gifts are significant, signifying the deity of God, this, uh, signifying the kingship of God. Gold is for kings. Um, Frankincense is for God. That's the deity. And Mar representing his humanity. He's a savior. Even though the Magis were not Jews, that they, rec they recognized that this was no ordinary child. Jehovah God had entered into the world. They recognize that one who is greater than themselves or the kings that they serve in the Persian place that they come from had come into the world. They didn't have words like we have today calling incarnation where God becomes human. They didn't have such words to explain what was happening. But they knew the star indicated that there has come a change and the, the change had come in form of a child and they became so integral in this part uh, they found, I mean, the child was found, the child they found was integral to this change. So they know that something is happening. There is divine activity. There is heavenly activity. There is a king that has been born, and there is incarnation. They may not have used that word, but they know that God has entered the world. God has rewritten the script of the fall. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they brought in the curse of sin. Now, God is rewriting that script. And what led to pain, to violence, and, and suffering has changed into the story of redemption. Sorrow is turning to joy. And beauty is coming in exchange for ashes. And for those that are afraid and trembling, that is being overcome by perfect love. This is the day of salvation. The wise men knew that. They were coming from afar. They knew and they were overjoyed because they met the Messiah who saves and delivers. Vastor says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herald, they returned to their country by another route. The Magis were greatly known to interpret dreams and visions. They were there in the days of Daniel. In fact, they say Daniel was part of the Magis. They, 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 they knew how to interpret. And when God spoke to them in a dream, they were able to tell that this is the Lord speaking. And having been warned, they returned by another route. They did what they had always been trained to do, and that is to protect the king at all costs. Don't you love the Magis? They're interesting people, right? And as we read, as we read this portion of scripture, we see two responses. You worship or you do not. There is no gray area. You worship, interestingly, like the, like the Magis, they were pagans, they were being guided by Old, Old Testament scriptures, they knew how to study, they were also theologians, by the way. 
They understood the Old Testament scriptures. They were being guided by the supernatural presence of the glory of God that came enthusiastically and authentically. They did come to seek the king. They took a long journey, over 1,200 kilometers, because they were convinced that this king was the real king. The other option is not to worship. The Jewish leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rabbis, the chief priests, also knew the Old Testament, Testament like scriptures like the, the, like the Magi. But they were comfortable to be ruled by the Herod, the, by Herod the Great. They are indifferent, and some of them are very hostile. And guess what? They are just nine kilometers away. I was trying to check where, where nine, how far nine, kilometer, nine kilometers is from here, and maybe you can correct me. I just realized it's just like they were in Gara. They were just nearby, but they were so indifferent. Yet the Middle Eastern kingmakers were blessed, coming all the way. Crossing over, they came to worship the king. Apparently, after Jesus was born, it is when people formed groups. Before that, they were maybe one large community being ruled by heralds, and all that he said, they followed. But when Jesus was born, there were groups. And I will explain the three groups. The first group were the haters, the hatred group. These are the people who rejected God. From the get-go, they rejected him. There were people like Harold, who saw like the birth of Jesus Christ was interfering with their lives. They saw Jesus as a threat to their ambition, to their power, to their plan. I mean, Harold had a plan. Like I said earlier, he was great in infrastructure. He was great in development. And he had all these plans that he had, and probably he even had a succession plan. And all those things, he saw Jesus' birth as a threat and as an as inter, inter, interruption. Of course, amongst us, there are always people who want nothing to do with God. They are hostile. They think, God, you are interrupting me. You're interrupting my plans. You're interrupting my joy. You're interrupting my ambition. You're interrupting the kingdom that I'm building for myself. You know, even before Jesus was crucified, they said, we don't, want any, we, want, we don't want this man to reign over us. That is what they said before they asked for Barnabas. We don't want this man. They were extremely uh, hostile. God interfering. He's a disruptor. You know, a man who is hostile towards God is in trouble. Is a man who is in trouble. His or her children are in trouble. And the nation that rejects God is in trouble. If you, if you love reading and, and, and watching things, I would urge you to go and look for um, Rhapsody, a, a, a video that was done, and they think there's a book to it, of the nation Fiji. And Fiji, at one point they got a leader. Fiji is known for high magic, black magic. I mean, Fiji people are, <laughs> were extremely, are extremely superstitious people. You know Fiji the nation, yeah? And they one time got a king, uh, a leader, president, and he asked them, guys, we are suffering. I, I don't want to go into this, but I mean, the, that place, the Fiji area, according to scholars and uh, geographic people, it's supposed to be a very fertile place. But because of their black magic and superstition, the place became extremely dry, 
and they, 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 didn't, they didn't even have food. And this president came and called the people and the pastors to come and pray. I think for 21 days, or I don't know for how long, they really, really prayed. And God changed the story of Fiji. But I hear, I don't know now, but I hear they went back to black magic. But it is, it is proven, it is a true story of how even a nation, if a nation decides to embrace God, they can thrive. The rivers, it's amazing. Even rivers, if you see that documentary, even the rivers started flowing. They started uh, exporting uh, bananas. Their rugby team started winning national, I mean, when they were praying, things were changing in, in Fiji. It's amazing. But if a man is hostile to God, this person is in, is in, is in trouble. Their personal lives, there's trouble. Their lineage is trouble. Their generation is trouble. The nation is, I mean, is trouble. Then the second group is the indifferent group. Now, <laughs> these ones, they cared less. They cared more about pushing themselves higher in the spiritual ladder. And they were accusing anyone who was not as righteous as they were. The religious leaders of the day fell in this category. These leaders were so devoted, so committed. They understood the scriptures very well. Even you can see when Herald is asking them, when is the king supposed to, they quickly quote Micah chapter 5 verse 2. They don't even search for it. They understand the scriptures, but they are not touched by this reality that the king had been born in Bethlehem. They don't, they don't know, they don't care, but they are scholars and, and actually religious leaders. The darkness of their religion was so damaging that they couldn't see the king had arrived. They are so caught up in religion. Of course, today we have people that are caught up in works and legalistic approaches. We want to do more. We want to serve more. We want to commit more. We want to, I mean, we are doing and doing. And by the way, a lot of Christians, we get caught up in this a lot. How we find ourselves here many, many times. The Bible says that these are people who do not listen or pay attention. There, actually, there was a prophecy like that, that this will be people who, who listen, but they don't hear. They want to do more and more and more, and they want to be, you know, in places where they seem like they are working. And those who are the Pharisees, they understood the laws. They were able to follow the laws. They were able to even push people to follow the laws, and they were doing all this and more. And it reminds me of Martha, the one who Jesus was in their home, but all he, she did is she kept working and working and working. But the sister Mary decided to sit at the feet of Jesus. And many times we are here. We are doing and doing. And then when we are doing so much, we start getting angry. Oh, there is, people are not doing as much as I am. We start comparing. People are not praying <laughs> as hard as I am. Well, people are not giving as much. If people would just give the way I'm giving, <laughs> we would finish the building. And we are caught up and we are doing all these legalistic things. But guess what? Nine kilometers down the road, they are not realizing the long-promised Messiah has been born. They are caught up in their religious activities. And then we have the third group, the true worshippers, the Magi's. They are represented by the Magi's. We, if you're a true worshiper, you are represented by the Magi's. They are wise men. They come across different places, different weathers, day and night. They are seeking. 
They are inquiring. They are committed. They have carried their an entourage. They are going. And they are looking. And the ultimate question that we want to ask ourselves is where are you this morning? And that is the ultimate question. Where are you? If you are honest with yourself, you'll find yourself in any of these three. You could be like Herald. You are here, but you are hostile. Your heart can be really hostile, by the way. Our hearts can be really hostile. You are thinking, God, if you just move a little bit, I will achieve these things. And you're so hostile. And then we have those who are indifferent. They are here. You're listening. You're singing. But you care less. You don't know what is happening. All you're waiting for is Christmas to come and to go. And this whole story of Christmas, Christ being born, God incarnating, becoming human, God entering the human space so that he can save you and I, that is not resonating with your heart. It becomes such a catastrophe. You know, there is a place I once read that it is better to hate than to be indifferent. People who are indifferent are so don't care. They don't care. They come because, I mean, this is a religious activity. We are supposed to go to church on Sunday. So you're here and you will go and your heart will be far, far off. And even you could be a Christian, but your heart has stopped seeking. But my urge to you this morning is that we may follow the ways of the Magis. The Magis are those who are drawn. You know, they are drawn. Can you imagine, imagine even if, if they were to explain maybe to their wives, where are you going to a faraway land? How? For business trip? No. To do what? To worship. Worship who? <laughs> a king. And how are you going to go? We are going to be guided by a star. Are you seeing how absurd all this looks like? But these people are drawn. They are inquiring. They are going to Jerusalem and is, uh, they are asking, where is the king that has been born? They are actually sincere. And they are searching and they are seeking. And they are so captivated. The Bible says when they got there, they were so overjoyed. When they saw the star, the Shekinah glory of God, they were so overjoyed. And you know, it reminds me of what the Bible says, that when we seek, we shall find. If we seek with all our hearts. That is what the Magis were doing. Going over 1,000 kilometers, going with their entourage. They are going to seek a king that is not even their own king. And this tells me that Jesus is for all. The rich or the poor, the Magis were extremely rich. And God was guiding them. God is for all. Jesus is for all. For the Jews and the Gentiles, the Magis were not Jews. They were pagans. But Jesus, God, rather God, is guiding them. For the near and for the far, those who look they're like, ah, this one, there is no hope for them. I can see God going all the way to the Persian region to bring people to worship the sun from far and from near. And next week we shall talk about the shepherds who are near. But today we are talking about those who are really far, the Magis, they came. And then the wise and unwise. Like we said in the Old Testament, you couldn't be, I mean in the Persian region, you couldn't be a king if this, the Magis, did not make you a king. They were considered a wise people. They are the ones who are coming. And whatever they are doing, you know the funny thing is that whatever they are doing, it's a paradox to me. They are wise. They're supposed to apply knowledge. They're scholars. They're elite. 
But what they are doing doesn't look wise. They are going, they are being guided by a star, they are going to worship a king they don't know, and they, it's not even their king. That looks very unwise. But them, in their wisdom, being guided by God, they go to worship the Messiah. I'm just going to ask us to stand in the presence of the Lord. And this is a reflective sermon. I reflected on this and I asked myself, where am I? And do I find myself as the magi, the seeking, the drawn, the captivated, the one who wants to find this king? Do I find myself there? Or do I find myself in the indifferent, I don't care, whatever people are doing, let them do? Or do I, am I sometimes hostile? I'm just going to give us a few minutes, maybe 30 seconds or one minute. And I'm going to ask us to pray and ask the Lord to search our hearts. Maybe you're here and you're hostile, like Herald and other people of the day who felt like the birth of Jesus was a disruption of their plans and their ambitions. And you're here saying, if God, you are not here, I would, I would do more. God, this is what you're demanding from me is too much and I don't want to do it. You're killing my joy. Or you're here and you're indifferent. You just came. Maybe you even came later. You're leaving and you don't care. Uh, you'll just go and say you are in church. You are so indifferent. Was, you're here and you're so caught up in the religious activities. You're caught up in the carols. You're caught up in the glamour of the trees and the Christmas trees and the lights and the buying and all those things. You're just caught up. But you're not actually paying attention to the birth of a savior, the incarnation of God, God entering earth to rewrite the story of the fall. Or you could be like the Magi's and all you want is to worship. As a song of a famous hymn that says, we turn our eyes to Jesus. We look full in your wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and of your grace. And I pray that that will be your song, that the things of this world will greatly, will, str will strongly grow dim. God, may you help us to be drawn to you, to be captivated, to seek and to search. And the Bible says that we seek as we seek and as we search, we shall surely find you. God, my prayer is that you will capture our hearts. Our hearts are so drawn to wandering, to the things of this world. But God, may you captivate our hearts. May you draw us to you. Like the Magi's would cross over and over different ridges to look for you. If you're here and you would want to, for the Lord to capture your heart, you would want to pay attention. You would want to see him in his beauty. That the Shekinah glory will guide your life and your path. If you're here, I would ask you to raise your hand wherever you are and I will pray with you. If you're here, thank you for that hand, for those hands. Thank you for those hands. And I'm going to ask all our elders and pastors to come to the front quickly kindly all our pastors and elders I saw a couple in the 
Yes, just come very fast. And all those people that have lifted their hands, do not shy. Your hearts have been captivated. The Magis will crisscross to go and look for a savior. Come to the front and be prayed for. Just come very fast. Come, just, yes, yeah, let them come to be prayed for. If you're there under the back and you would want to be prayed for, a savior has been born. That is the news. That is it. That is it. That God entered earth in form of a baby to rewrite the story of pain, of violence, and exchange beauty for ashes. And that's what he came to do. Just come and be prayed for. If you're here and you're a pastor, a, a leader, uh, even a deacon, just come. We are having more people coming. Just come and pray for these people. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word that you're reminding us that you're calling us to be true worshippers of Yahweh. To be guided by you, to be diligent in seeking, to be diligent in knowing you. To let go of our wisdom as the Magi's did, of their prestige, of their, of their kingdom. They left, in fact, they left their kingdom in shambles because they even didn't have a king when they were living in Persia. But they came all the way to Bethlehem to see a king that had been born. And God, I pray that realization that the Magi's had is a realization that will be in each and every one of us. That we will know for sure that there is a king who has come to rewrite history. Has come to rewrite the pain and the violence. Oh God, I pray that you draw the hearts of people to yourself because it's only you, God, who can do that. It is only you, God, who can save and deliver. It is you, God, who can enter in spaces of violence, oh God, and bring peace because you are Jehovah Shalom. You're the only one who can wipe tears. You're the only one who can give joy. You're the only one who can exalt. You're the only one who can change stories. You're the only one who can give a testimony. You are the only one. And you are the only one that we seek this afternoon, oh God. And I pray that you give us the diligence and the commitment and the knowledge and the guidance that you gave to the Magi's. For those that have wandered away, God, may you draw them to yourself. For those, God, that their hearts are hard as stone and are hostile, may you break them and give them a heart of flesh so that, Lord, they may yield to you and submit as the Magi's did. Even though they were pagans and superstitious, they bowed to a king that was greater than them or the kings that they served. I pray that that will be our story, that we will lay down all that is our own so that we may worship this true and the living God. Give us that realization, mighty God. I pray that you save each and every one of us, that you deliver each and every one of us, that we will see the glory, the star, the divine in the heaven. We thank you, we bless you in Jesus' name we are praying. Amen and amen. May God truly bless you. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ, or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.